What's going on, everybody? Welcome into another episode of the Varsity Breakdown Podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Guevara. And with me, as always, is Mr. Lupe Ramirez. And we are four weeks into the season. Of course, uh, some dust storms uh, caused some games to uh, get rescheduled. So it threw us off a a little bit uh, this past week. But unfortunately, we weren't able to attend our game of the week between uh, Vista Grande and Florence. And we'll talk about that uh, that game uh, later on. You know, but how do you feel that the weekend played out, uh, you know, with all the rescheduling and everything like that? I think it, it, it was kind of slow and sluggish, but that was mainly because of how you mentioned our game got rained out. But we weren't the only game that got rained out. The Casa Grande and Fairfax game got rained out. Uh, a couple of games uh, had a whole bunch of weather delays. One actually had a weather delay that carried over into the next day. Um, that game being Sierra Linda and ALA Ironwood. That game, they lost a close one, 35-33. to 33. And looking at the stats, there is one thing that stood out to me the most, and that was if they didn't have Aiden Williams in this game, this would be a totally different ball game. Aiden Williams was definitely the workhorse in this one, wouldn't you say? Oh, I definitely agree. Um, I believe he rushed for over 200 yards and uh, five touchdowns, so definitely an impressive night for them, but... I think uh, we spoke about this uh, last week that if um, L.A. kept it close, they could definitely uh, pull out a victory. Unfortunately, they came up a little bit short, but another close game that they lost against a very good opponent. Uh, both of their losses this year have come by a combined four points. So, L, you know, their record is one and two on the year, but that does not uh, dictate how good that this team is and is going to be uh, later on down the road. So, what was the biggest surprise for you uh, throughout this game? The biggest surprise for me was actually seeing that Aiden had his hand in all five of the touchdowns. All, all the points scored, Aiden had you know his fingerprints all over that game. Um, without him, like I said, it would have been a very, very scary game. And it's it seems to be the, the story for the Warriors right now. It's always two points separating them between a very good team. And if, if they can just... Uh, tighten up their defense and then find some cohesion on offense. I think that they they'll actually do a lot better in the next coming weeks, but it's going to be really tough because it doesn't get any easier from here on out. Yeah, I definitely agree. Uh, You know, they have to fix some things to try to pull out these close victories because in all honesty, they could definitely be three and oh right now. And it would be a very big surprise for us from where we had them. But at the same time, they're, they're still a tough team. I, I won't sit there and say that, any team's going to come in here and handle them uh, without, uh, you know, them going down for a fight. But, you know, uh, speaking of a team that you said um, it's not going to get any easier with, they're going to be taking on Gilbert Christian uh, at Gilbert Christian this Friday. How do you see this one playing out now that they're going to be facing a pretty uh, good two-way team yet again, uh, just like they did in week one? Well, I feel like their previous games have actually primed them a little bit of success in this one i don't think i actually had them pulling this one out um in our original picks but this week i'm actually leaning towards ala in this one and i'm hoping that that they actually come away with a victory yeah i'm definitely uh in the same boat as you i think that with the amount of success that they've had so far especially uh with the contributions of uh aiden williams i mean he's a guy we spoke uh really highly of uh during the off season and he's living up to it the crazy thing about it is he got two more years left. And, you know, as as long as this team can kind of still keep meshing and keep getting better, I mean, it was an off day uh, for uh, Connor Moult. Went three for 12 with 22 yards. So definitely a lot of things to improve on. And I think that this is the game where they're going to finally uh, put things together and finally be able to uh, get into the uh, win column. And I don't see this being the only win. You know, I I definitely see uh, more and more coming uh, for the Warriors uh, throughout the season. Well, talking about more wins and more improvement, let's talk about the Casa Grande Cougars. This is the second game in a row this season where they've scored 42 unanswered points on their opponent. And their defense is looking phenomenal. This is the second shutout that they've had. And... And and it came in unfamiliar circumstances. And instead of a uh, wet, 
rainy, cold game. They had a really muggy, hot morning game. So let's elaborate on that. Actually, it was uh, even in the afternoon. It was like 2 p.m. I thought that was the weirdest thing. But it's even even it, I would say it's even worse then because the sun is even higher and you have just a, a, a more chance of that humidity building up. It's I don't know. It's really tough. It, it was definitely a weird kickoff time, but. Uh, uh, we didn't have a, a lot of stats to go off of uh, for this game, but like you said, 84-0. to zero. That's what the Cougars have put up against uh, the opposition. 84 points with nothing answered, and they did it against a pretty uh, decent uh, Fairfax team who I thought, uh, you know, was going to make it a good game. You know, I still had Cassegrand pulling it out, but what Cassegrand is showing is remarkable that nobody can really take advantage of what their defense does. They're that good. And remember, in week one, they were missing some players. Some players actually came back and made a difference. I believe uh, uh, Andon Diaz, uh, who uh, sat out week one, uh, ended up getting another uh, interception to, uh, you know, it's like he never skipped a beat. You know, and I think uh, he's getting closer and closer to uh, that state record. I believe this is almost 15 career interceptions for him. But what I would uh, like to see Cass Grant do in the future is, you know, upload some stats and stuff like that. Let us take a look at who's exactly shining on this team. You know, that's the one thing that we don't seem to be able to find out, you know, unless we uh, read about it in Pinal Central. But I definitely want to see uh, some stats uh, entered for this team and be able to um, – uh, provide some shine uh, to some of these players because I mean two games in a row they've blown out teams and we don't have nothing to show for it so let's talk about uh, their game coming up with Central both teams come in 2-0 and uh, now Casagrande is taking their first uh, trip out of uh, CG and is going to take on a pretty good uh, Central team who at first we didn't have uh, doing too well uh, this season but they're actually living up to it as well. Yeah I feel like it's going to be a really good game I question whether or not central will be able to score as easily on the cougars as they have in their past two games but um like you said with it being their first road game it's definitely going to be a test for the cougars one thing we did notice last year is that they travel well um they will not be without a, a presence you know on their side of the stands and i feel like going into central it's just going to be a bigger school a little bit of a different atmosphere for them boys but i think they'll make themselves right at home and show central exactly what they've been cooking this whole time. So uh, your uh, predictions are going to be you got Cassegrand uh, taking this one? Yeah, no doubt. I got Cassegrand taking this one. Do you think it's going to be a 42-0 to zero blowout, or do you think uh, this one might uh, test uh, the Cougars a little bit? This one, if I had to say, I wasn't there for this game, but I would say if I had to guess, it would be pretty similar to their match with Sunny Slope last year, where they kind of came into that game not knowing where they were going to be at. But eventually they'll outwit them and show the Bobcats that they're for real. So we're both going to take the Cougars on that one. Uh, Let's move into a game which was going to be our game of the week. Unfortunately, uh, got rained out, was rescheduled to Saturday. And with our uh, schedule for that weekend, there was no way we were going to be able to attend any game on Saturday for that matter. But the Vista Grande Spartans uh, did take on uh, the Florence Gophers, a 9.30 morning game. I've heard it was very muggy out there, very warm conditions. But at the end of the day, you got to play the game, and the Gophers played it better as they uh, defeated uh, the Spartans 28-14. to What was uh, your biggest takeaway from that game? Well, my biggest takeaway kind of came after the game. It, it mostly came from a lot of the players. Um, a lot of them are calling this year the beginning of the heart era. And for them to go 4-0 is pretty impressive. The thing that I would like to highlight would be the play of these certain players. Uh, Logan Stenson went 7-for-11, had 87 yards and a touchdown. Um, Josh Jackson had 28 carries, 179 yards, and two touchdowns. And if we go back to the receiver who caught the uh, pass from Logan, that would be Day-Day Neal. He had three receptions for 44 yards and, of course, a touchdown. So the Gophers did their thing. Uh, they actually had the they actually had uh Vista Grande score on them twice which which kind of surprised me because I felt like they would be able to withstand a little bit more of their offense but it, it, overall it was a really good game it kind of told me exactly what I was expecting that Florence is really good they have the capabilities of beating a 4A team but I want to see them succeed not just in uh 3A 4A 2A in an example I wanted to I want to see them thrive against really good competition. That's one thing that we haven't really seen. 
out of Florence yet is them play really good competition. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, that was going to be uh, one of my main points about Florence. The record shows 4-0. Uh, one win comes from a forfeit. Uh, they played a team uh, like Paulo Verde who hasn't played in a couple years. I uh, definitely agree that they. I want to see how they fare up against better competition, and we'll get into uh, their upcoming game here in a minute. But let's focus on uh, the, uh, the Vista Grande Spartans, a team that went out week one and um, got beat 41-0. to Coming into this game, I thought they were going to have a little bit of fire. They uh, obviously had a little bit of fight, kept keeping the game within two touchdowns. But I think this is just a, a young team right now that's uh, going through some growing pains. You know, they're trying to figure things out. And I mean, I hope that this upcoming week is they were, were originally supposed to have a bye, uh, but they actually uh, picked up a game against uh, Ironwood Ridge, who sits 0-1 on the season. And I think this is going to be a good competitive game uh, for the Spartans. You know, I didn't think that they were going to drop this game to uh, the Gophers. And so I don't know what's exactly going wrong or where their struggles are coming from. We haven't gotten the opportunity to see them live, uh, let alone we don't have any stats or anything for them uh, this week. But I think this game against Ironwood Ridge, who just lost their coach last year, graduated a lot of seniors. So they're going through their own growing pains. And, you know, they weren't they weren't expected to do uh, that great this year. So I feel that if the Spartans are going to turn things around, this would be the game to do it. I've heard uh, they've had a great practice this week, and I just hope that they can execute and actually play four quarters of ball and pick up a victory this week. What What do you want to see from them? Well, since it's a game that they weren't really planning for, there was kind of like a last-minute pickup, I, I hope that they can actually take advantage of this team. Like you said, they're both teams that are kind of you know struggling a bit to find their not only their identity but find their groove in the season so that way they can uh, actually have a little bit of wind underneath their wings. I hope that the Spartans can pull this one out against the Nighthawks. It's not going to be a very tall task, but I think them doing this will be a really good confidence boost for the entire team. So are you going to take uh, the Spartans or are you giving the edge to Ironwood? I want to say Vista so bad, bro. Like I want to say Vista wins this one and I have all of that, you know, confidence in them. But I'm going to be honest. I don't have that, that, that straight open confidence with them. So I'm going to say it's going to be a close one, but I, Ironwood takes this one by three points. I like that. I can respect that. Um, I'm I'm in the same boat. You know, I don't know. Vista hasn't shown me nothing. I don't really see them as a team that we always talk about has the consistency yet to put their game plan together for four quarters and to be able to execute at a high level. This is a team that seems to need to find that hunger and find that fight in them to go out there and, you know, not let this season slip them by. I mean, they have a great opportunity right here to pick up a victory. And then the following week, they have a game that they should win. But it's about that consistency. And if it doesn't start here, I don't think it will get better for them. But in that case, like I said, I'm going to stick with them. You know, I know I said last week that I wasn't going to, you know, jump off the bus that quickly, you know, and I still feel that they have a chance to turn things around. And even though they uh, lost to Florence, it was still something that they improved on. They actually scored this game. And, uh, you know, I think that they're going to put it together against Ironwood. So I'm going to stick with the Spartans on this one. But we're not going to talk about the uh, Florence game uh, just yet as uh, they're going to be taking on Coolidge. So uh, we're going to save that game uh, for a little bit later on in the show. So let's jump into Sequoia Pathway as they went and visited the Wilcox Cowboys. And this one was definitely not close from the beginning as the Cowboys defeated the Pumas 49-0. to How do you feel about this game and what did it show us about Sequoia Pathway? I feel like it's a tough loss, but not a deflating loss. And what I mean by that is it's 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 a it's a really it's there's no way around it. It's, it's an ass whooping. They took an ass whooping. But one thing is is like they're not taking this ass whooping and, and making excuses. We didn't see any type of excuses from any players, any coaches. Everybody just said the same thing. Tough loss, but but we'll come back. Plenty plenty of ball left. And that type of attitude is exactly what they need. As long as they're not getting down on themselves, they're not feeling like, you know, this season is lost, especially this early in the season, I feel like they're definitely going to be in a good mindset next week. Yeah, to me, it just showed how tough Wilcox really is, you know, and why Mm -hmm. they are one of the favorites in the 2A uh, division this year. But we knew that it was going to be 
a struggle for Sequoia Pathway. I mean, they're missing players that they were expecting to play. So a bulk of the uh, carries had to go to Norian, and that's one of the things we said, is if they shut them down, who's going to step up and, and fill that void? And, of course, we don't have no uh, stats uh, regarding Sequoia Pathway, but let's look on the defensive side. They They gave up almost 350 rushing yards to one of the best rushing teams in 2A. And, you know, you can't have that happen, of course. You got to at least try to hold them off as much as you can. But even on the other side of the ball, there was no production. They weren't able to uh, drive the ball on Wilcox. And to me, I mean, it's just, it's not, it's not nothing negative towards Sequoia Pathway because I do believe that they're a playoff team. It's just that Wilcox is that experienced. And, you know, I think that they've already uh, put the pieces together. And I think if Sequoia Pathway were to have the players they were expecting to play, it could have been a different story. But for the time being, what do we always say? You got to play with the players you got and try to put your best 11 out there. And unfortunately, it just wasn't good enough. I, I think they have the opportunity to get things going again as they're going to be taking on uh, Chandler Prep, who is currently one and two. Do you think uh, the Pumas, after that type of loss, will come in and dominate uh, the Knights? I don't think it'll be that easy. I think that... When they faced off with Wilcox, all they did was just start off their path on to facing hard-nosed competition. I Even though the record shows that Chandler Prep is 1-2 and two right now, I feel like this will be a really, really good game to be at. And Sequoia Pathway has, a, no pun intended, a clear path in this match to get a victory. It's just a matter of executing their plans and holding off the Knights because one thing that we've seen the Knights do before is when... Uh, teams take them lightly they automatically pounce and get a really big lead and just stay on it and that's how they end up winning yeah I think for uh, Sequoia Pathway what I want to see not just uh, this week but from here on out is is are they going to be able to beat good competition we saw what the first two uh, weeks held for them Uh, they uh, of course were shorthanded against Tombstone but can they beat the better competition Chandler Prep like you said is not a walkover team um, I, I just need to see a sense of dominance again and for the remainder of the season because if they are only able to beat you know lower class teams when they get to the playoffs, we might see the same thing we saw last year against Benson where it just seemed like they didn't show up. You know, they got through all these uh, easy games and were blowing people out. Then when it was time to play a legit contender, they weren't uh, up to par with them. And so, you know, I just need to see that from them going forward. And, you know, I think that they're going to get it together once all these transfers are able to uh, sit out their fifth game and finally get back into the swing of things. Because, you know, what we've been talking about is these transfer rules have been hurting so many teams. And Sequoia Pathway is no different. But like I said, once they're all back, can you go out there and beat the teams that are legit? And that's what I want to see from them. But let's move on into uh, Maricopa's game against uh, Mesquite. That one was actually a lot closer uh, than what we were expecting. Uh, Mesquite ultimately took the victory of winning 21 to 7 against the Rams. But what was your uh, impressions of the Rams uh, once you saw the final score? I was just that. I was impressed. I was I was thoroughly satisfied that they were that they were able to hold the Wildcats to only three scores and actually get a score themselves. Um, one thing that kind of stood out to me stat-wise was Robert Nora actually had a decent game. It was just clouded by a couple of interceptions. He went 7 for 15, had 58 yards, and a touchdown. And again, like I said, he had two interceptions, and, and those interceptions proved to be costly because, uh, you know, they ended up losing by two touchdowns. So, you know, that does, you know, hurt a little bit. But at the same time, I don't want him to take it to heart because in, in the end, it's a team game. The, the, the team collectively didn't perform well. And, and there's always this upcoming week. And, and with the matchup they have, it's going to be kind of tough because they're facing competition that, that, that's, you know, undefeated right now. But I feel like it would be really good for Maricopa to actually be the, be the team to put that first blemish on their record. I also felt that, you know, it was a... It was the amount of turnovers that were ultimately uh, costly uh, for uh, Maricopa. Uh, not only the two interceptions, but they put the ball on the floor four times. Luckily, uh, none of them got recovered by the opposition. But, you know, you can't have that. If you want to sit there and pick up victories, you got to play, uh, you know, turnover free ball. 
So I think that's the next thing that uh, Maricopa has to work on is being able to take the, uh, care of the ball a little bit better. But let's look on their defensive side. I mean, they only gave up 83 passing yards and 48 rushing yards. So it wasn't like uh, Mesquite was sitting there running up and down the field on them. It was actually a lot closer on paper than what the score said. And I spoke about this about Maricopa last week on what they needed. Small victories. You put up points this week. You held a very good team to only three touchdowns. And to me, you got to carry that momentum into uh, this upcoming matchup against Skyline, who you said is 2-0 and on the season. Take those little victories, and you know what? Maybe they might even sneak one out. Who knows? You know, because Skyline was not the 2-0 and team we know of them this year. They were uh, just as bad as Maricopa last year, so... It doesn't say too much early on in the season. Uh, we've seen how that's happened to other teams. We, we, we thought uh, so highly of them, and then uh, they go and lay an egg against another mm-hmm. opponent. You know, So I think this is a good opportunity for Maricopa to try and uh, continue to keep the games close because I think that if they do that this week, they might even uh, sneak out a victory. But uh, ultimately, you're going to roll uh, with uh, Skyline, or are you going to actually take the Rams this week? You know, I predicted that the Maricopa Rams would have a really tough season. And and it sucks to say because, I mean, I'm, I'm, I really want the best for them. I want the best for all of our Padown County teams. But Maricopa is still going to be in that struggling boat, no matter if it's, you know, this game against Skyline, if, if it's whoever they're facing in their, their week six or their sixth game. It's going to be really tough for them. So I'm sorry, boys, but I, I got to go with Skyline on this one. I think Skyline's going to be 3-0 and by the end of this week. I'll definitely agree. I think uh, Skyline definitely has the advantage. Uh, You know, I just need to see a little bit more production uh, on uh, Maricopa, especially on the offensive side. But little victories. That's all I'll say. Little victories. And you'll never know what happens. So uh, let's continue on into our game uh, between Santa Cruz and North Point. Santa Cruz uh, finally got into the win column this week, defeating North Point 26 to 0. But this was a weird game because the game actually ended at halftime uh, with North Point forfeiting. And I uh, believe that they were in a weather delay uh, when this occurred. So what are your ultimate thoughts? Is that a, a clean, good victory for Santa Cruz? Or does it suck that they weren't able to play four quarters and pick up an even bigger victory? Because it seemed like that's where it was heading. No, I feel like this was a huge momentum boost for the Dust Devils. Uh, think about it. They they lose a really, really hard match where, where everybody says they fought their ass off playing against Coolidge. And now they come in and they crush a team so bad that not only is that team saying that they don't want to play because of the weather, but they're already down 26 points and they haven't put any up on the board themselves. So they're saying, ah, we'll, we'll just wave the white flag and let you boys take this one. Go, go home and travel safe. Yeah. And that's basically what... And that's basically what they did. Um, and the Dust Devils have every bit of, of reason to be proud of this match. But one thing I will say is don't let that get to your head. Yeah, you took out the North Point Falcons, but think about what you got coming up this week. You have Antelope, a team that hasn't given up a- at all, you know, in any reason. And they sit at one and two as well. Or I believe uh, Santa Cruz is one and three, but around the same record. Mm-hmm. So anticipate a good match don't think that the team across from you oh oh, that's the team that made the other team quit at halftime no they're gonna be like oh this is the team that made the other team quit at halftime and and that's how I, i anticipate them coming in i don't think that they're gonna be intimidated by them they're gonna bring the fight right to them and one of the things i said about north point is they hadn't scored all year you know it shows how bad of a team that they were but santa cruz did what they were supposed to do they went in beat a bad team and now can carry that momentum into Antelope, which uh, they they actually get to uh, face them at home. And I feel that with the Dust Devils win this past week, with how you're saying uh, they did against uh, Coolidge, but also uh, losing a heartbreaker against Bisbee, you know, a game that they were winning, they're moving in that right direction. You know, every week they've gotten better. Now it's time to beat a team that is probably at the same level as you and go out there and defend your home field and leave the game happy with your family. Like, hey, we've won two in a row. You know, small, like like I spoke about uh, Maricopa, small victories are going to help along the way. These guys are finally, I don't think that they're barely buying in uh, from what uh, Coach Tommy's been preaching to them. I think now they're finally executing his plan. 
and it's definitely showing. And I hope to uh, eventually uh, see some stats from them. I want to know, uh, you know, what's going on uh, in Santa Cruz as far as who's out there uh, shining above the others. But I definitely think that this is a game, and I'll, I'll make my prediction already, where Santa Cruz is going to sneak out a victory again. No, I'm with you on this one. With them being at home, I definitely see them picking up the victory. So let's move in uh, to the uh, Post and Butte Broncos as they hosted the Round Valley Elk. And uh, I think you were right on this one. I'm going to say that weather was a, a factor for sure. But Post and Butte uh, barely snuck out a, a victory 20-13 to 13 against the Elk. How did you feel uh, the Broncos did this Friday? I feel facing the adversity that they were tested with that they did a really good job. It was a pretty easy night for Max Larson. He really didn't have to do much. He had he went one for three with nine yards and one touchdown. Running back Gavin Thrower had 24 carries for 133 yards and two rushing touchdowns. And of course, Ja'Kai Robinson had that one touchdown that Max Larson threw for nine yards. Um, it wasn't really a big game offensively for the team, but a really big win nonetheless. Uh, whenever you can put out a team like Round Valley on your home field, uh, it's definitely more than a momentum boost, but uh, it's it's a great win to have in the win column as well. Now, do you feel that uh, weather definitely impacted uh, the results of this game, or do you think Round Valley actually came to play? Because to me, seeing that the Broncos rushed 42 times and only attempted three passing attempts, were they just trying to keep the ball on the ground? We've we seen that uh, uh, week one uh, with uh, Gavin Thrower uh, rushing uh, for, I think, 28 carries. Mm-hmm. Is that their game plan, or do you think that it was because of the weather that they weren't able to air it out a little bit more? I would like to say that it was the weather. Um, I don't think it would have anything to do with any type of trust issues with the receivers or or anything like that. But I did mention it a couple weeks ago that these guys have to be prepared to play ball in the rain. The adverse weather that they're facing is is something that's probably going to be around for at least a month or two. If I had to give you my opinion, if I was playing in the rain, that's exactly what I would do. I would want to run the ball. I wouldn't want to have any missed opportunities where I'm putting somebody in a position where they can either drop the ball or even make a, a bad play where the ball is just, you know, not in a good position to be caught because it's, you know, it's coming out of a wet hand or it's going to be sliding into wet hands or so on and so forth. Yeah, we've seen uh, on Friday night how that can definitely impact a team, especially a team who spreads it out run a lot of shotgun not only is the ball slippery for the center but trying to catch that ball you know with uh, the rain uh, coming down it makes it a lot harder so I definitely think that that was their game plan uh, all along and and you know I just want to see how Post and Butte carries this into a uh, Thursday night because uh, this game that they have coming up it's going to be a very good game I wish it was a game we were going to be able to attend, but, you know, due to our work schedules, uh, we're not going to be able to attend a game until Friday. But at the same time, uh, Post and Butte is going to be hosting Micah Mountain, who uh, currently sits at one and one as well. What are your thoughts about this game going into Thursday night? I think this is going to be a really good game. I share the same sentiment as you. I wish that we could be there. Because it's going to be just like one of these monsoon nights where you just see a lot of flashes in the, in, in the air and, and it's going to be a light show. That's exactly what this is going to be. The Thunderbolts bring a lot of excitement to their game. And I feel like that's one thing that Post and Butte's going to want to do in, in front of their home crowd is excite them and electrify them. And it, this one's going to be really tough to pick. I, I, I want to you know put my hands back and say I, I, I can't choose, but I'm going to choose and I'm going to go with Post and Butte on this one. And I'll side with you uh, for sure. I think that Post and Butte's rushing attack, you know, with Gavin Thrower, I mean, they can rush 40, 50 times a game and nobody seems to have figured it out yet. And, you know, to only uh, attempt three passes and because of uh, how great your rushing attack is, I think that Micah Mountain's going to struggle uh, to try and stop this. And I know uh, our boy uh, Chris Kidney is going to be uh, keeping his eye on this one as well. And I'm sure if he, uh, we were uh, able to attend, he would uh, take that trip with us as well. But, uh, you know, good luck, Broncos, because this one is definitely going to be a tester for them. But I think that they hold the edge uh, for sure against Micah Mountain. So moving on to Santan Foothills taking on Apache Junction. Apache Junction uh, won 56-0. to zero. Uh, was a game where we knew it was going to be a challenge for Santan Foothills. 
We were going to see what kind of team they were made of going against some elite competition in 4A. And Apache Junction did not disappoint and proved even more why they are the one of the top teams in Pinal County and in 4A as well. What are your thoughts? I was honestly surprised with this one. To see that Santan Foothills was unable to put up any type of scoring against AJ, um, it showed me a couple of things. One, it showed me that Santan still has a lot of room for improvement. They they've they vastly improved from the year last year and the years prior, but AJ is who, you know, people say they are. They're they're not here, you know, to just play and have fun. They're here for a purpose, and that purpose is a state championship. Um one thing I can say too is that they look fresh on them fields. The the jerseys that they have AJ playing in, uh, they're pretty crispy. And I feel like that that type of swag, it definitely carries over onto the field because if you look good, you play good. And these boys are playing really, really good football. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, you had uh, Gavin uh, Limangelo go 13 for 23 for 247 yards and four touchdowns, as well as rushing uh, for 110 yards. Isaiah Savoy, 12 carries, 114 yards, three touchdowns. Garrett Garcia, the favorite uh, target for Gavin, eight catches, 138 yards, and all four uh, touchdowns uh, from Gavin. Unfortunately, uh, no stats uh, from uh, Santan Foothills this week. Uh, But one of the things that caught my eye is they did uh, force two turnovers um, against uh, Apache Junction, just wasn't able to uh, take advantage of it. And and you know what? Uh, I mean, Apache Junction is just that good on both sides of the ball. We, we knew what Isaiah was going to do, but if they were not able to uh, stop the passing attack of Apache Junction, it was going to be a long game, and that's what it turned out to be. But nothing for Santan Foothills to hang their head about. We know it's a team that has drastically improved. Uh, from last year and I know that they're only going to get better uh, but they just uh, ran into a road bump and uh, they happen to be Apache Junction so you know definitely a lot to learn for uh, for Santan Foothills Apache Junction just got to continue that momentum but before we jump into Apache Junction's uh, opponent let's uh, start with Santan Foothills who is gonna have a region game against the heavy favorite Eastmark uh, Firebirds. Eastmark comes in two and one uh, their only loss was to uh, Thatcher early on in the season. Do you think Santan Foothills can get back uh, into the win column this week, or is it going to be another tough game? It's going to be another tough game. I can't say confidently that they'll go right back into the win column because that would be totally disrespectful to Eastmark. Like you said, they're one of the favorites to win not only the region, but uh, you know the 3A conference as well because they're really that good of a team. But I feel like Santan, uh, based on their silence so far this week, th- they felt that loss and they're taking it to heart. They're not. They're not here to put hype videos up. They're, they're. They're going back to their ways of trying to get into that win column. Will it be an easy feat? No, it won't. But if they can put up a lot of points or even any points on Eastmark after you know throwing up a goose egg against AJ, that'll that'll be what you said a small victory. Now, if they can hold Eastmark and stop them from scoring while doing it at the same time. Not only will that be a small victory, but that'll be a good test for them and a really good win for them. It's definitely going to be a tough game for Santan Foothills, no doubt. Um, I want to actually, you know, challenge their offense. Can you fix things from last week that you guys are learning from and go out and put some points on? Because I have no doubt uh, Santan Foothills uh, will force some turnovers. Uh, They've been consistent with that. Now can the offense execute on those turnovers because... If you can't, it's going to be another long game. Uh, But unfortunately, I still have to give the edge to Eastmark. I still think Santan Foothills is figuring things out, especially on the offensive end. And I don't know if their defense is going to be able to shut down uh, the Firebirds for four quarters if their offense is not producing. But going into uh, Apache Junction's opponent this Friday, they're going to be uh, taking on the Combs Coyotes, uh, who are coming off uh, a victory against uh, the Coolidge Bears. Uh, Combs uh, sits at one and one uh, this year. How do you see uh, this one uh, shaping out uh, for uh, the prospectors and the Coyotes? This one's going to be really, really good. Um, if I had to rank the games and level of excitement between this one and the Post and Butte Micah Mountain one, I got to say this one is actually a little bit more exciting in, in my point of view as far as all the implications involved. You you think about area supremacy. Um Apache Junction is is the school that has more of the longer tenure there. And Combs, um, if if I'm not mistaken, a while back they they, they didn't even have a high school. It was just uh, an uh, 
in elementary school that, you know, eventually grew to have in the high school. I think that this is going to be really good. We got to see Combs last week when uh, we had the the ability to watch a football game because after a while we felt like, you know, we weren't destined to watch a football game that Friday because of how bad the weather was. But looking across the field and seeing how many kids they had and not only how many kids they had, but the amount of coaches that they have on that staff to to tend and help and teach these boys about the game of football. And, and, and it was apparent when I got to be on their sideline, their coaches don't play. They expect the most out of their kids, but at the same time, they're not, they're not sitting there with unrealistic expectations where they're expecting perfection. They just want improvement. And if it's one thing I'm expecting from the Combs Coyotes against Apache Junction is improvement. They, they know what Apache Junction is capable of. They've seen what Apache Junction just did to Santan Foothills, and I know Combs will not allow that to happen to themselves. No, I think uh, Coach Hoagland uh, said it best uh, Friday night. Champions find a way. I think that was the perfect thing I heard him say uh, to his team is champions find a way. Now you have your biggest test in your third game of the season against a heavy favorite. You're coming off of a big victory against Coolidge, losing a close game to St. Mary's only by six points. The Coyotes are one of the most disciplined teams I've seen so far, and I think that they're going to be prepared to play. Do I expect them to uh, pick up a victory against Apache Junction? I'm not so sure, but I definitely think it's going to be a lot closer just because of how well coached uh, these guys are. What, what did you see on that sideline for the remainder of the time we were there? As you saw, not only the coaches calling out plays or calling out formations or anything like that, you saw every single one of those players on the sideline doing the same thing and how much of an advantage that is especially going in to take on a team like the Prospectors. I still will give the edge uh, to the Prospectors, but I know uh, the Coyotes are going to come and be ready to fight. And that's not, uh, you know, talking bad about Apache Junction. That's just how well coached these guys are. And so we'll we'll see. I mean, I'm very excited for this matchup. Uh, You know, I wish there was some way we uh, could watch this one, but uh, we'll we'll definitely uh, be keeping our eyes on it uh, this Friday. Yeah, we got to see a lot of that discipline when they played Coolidge. And let's go back to that game. When we got there, they were playing in the first quarter still with about four minutes to go. As soon as we get out of the car and we start unpacking our cameras, what do we see? The players running off the field, and we hear the announcers saying, hey, we're going to take a 15-minute rain delay. Um, We're we're expecting a little bit of lightning and thunder. If you guys could clear the bleachers, uh, we really appreciate it. And then it wasn't about two minutes later, the rain started coming down, and we're like, man, I don't think we're going to watch football today. This game might get called. And as we're walking to the stadium, listening to Purple Rain, it it was apparent that, you know, nobody there wanted to leave on the Coolidge side or the Combs side. Everybody was there to play football. And and I feel like that was especially because when Coolidge played Sabino, they played through constant rain. Well, not necessarily rain, but it was it was a constant drizzle. And and there was no rain delay. There was no weather problems. They 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 continued through. Um, it was a, a little over an hour, I believe, that we were waiting for the game to kick off. And then finally, when it kicked off, um, it kind of sucked to watch the Bears come out and play because as they came out, they they were kind of flat. They, they didn't have any type of excitement. They, they were not the same team that I had seen four or five weeks ago. No, they definitely weren't. I think the loudest chatter I heard was coming from uh, the uh, Combs uh, sideline. When they were coming up to the field, you heard that that raw and that excitement like, okay, we're going to we need to get ourselves going again. You know, let's get pumped up. All I saw was Coolidge warm up pretty flat, come out, finish the rest of the first quarter. And then it just went downhill from there. You know, uh, the final score for that one was 54 to sit. So when we showed up, it was six to 14. Mm -hmm. That just shows you what direction that game headed. And for Combs, like I said, I give them all the credit in the world because they executed and stuck to their game plan uh, for the remainder of the game, and it benefited them. And it wasn't like they were strictly going with the run. I mean, they were having uh, Coolidge really confused uh, just because their rushing attack was uh, doing so well that they would uh, counter it with a little play action and catch uh, Coolidge uh, so far off guard that it was an easy touchdown. And it seemed like at one point, even though I heard players on Coolidge talking and, you know, trying to get somebody hyped up. You know, I, I think I saw Jordan. I heard uh, Belcom, you know, 
to me, it doesn't take one guy. It takes more than that. And that's what I've seen is lacking with Coolidge. You know, since uh, we've seen them in Sabino, is that they don't have the desire to win when things are not going their way. When they're up and they're, you know, putting the, the hurting on teams, you see that whole sideline fired up. I don't know what happens, you know, mentally, because the game is, it's part mental. You know, you got to stay mentally ready, especially when you have a weather delay. And I, I just don't know what happened to them. I Even though, I don't know if you noticed, but uh, their sideline was a little bit thin. It seemed like they lost a few players uh, uh, since we last seen them in Sabino. And that can also uh, be hurting them as well, because you're having more guys have to not only play on offense and defense, but special teams as well. And it, it just wasn't a, it wasn't what I was expecting from Coolidge for sure. Uh, but like I said, I'm not going to take uh, no credit away from uh, Combs because they came out that second half and they balled out. Some of the players that caught my eye, one of them was definitely Tanner Hale. Tanner Hale went five for six, 80 yards, two touchdowns, and three rushing touchdowns. Seniors Connor Wiles and Chase Theobald each had a touchdown themselves, while senior Gage Theobald and Hunter Clare had a touchdown in the air. Uh, it was a really good game for Combs to see how well they could execute. I think it was about the fourth quarter we saw a couple of different quarterbacks in there, and, and that was really good to see, to see them spread the ball around and have some fun out there. Going back to Coolidge, I don't think that this loss will be something that hangs over them because it wasn't a typical game. They had, you know, they they were on the field. They were off the field for so long, questioning whether or not they're going to go back or not. And when they go back, they just get smacked. This week is different. This week they're playing a team that that is their rival, that that this rivalry has lasted forever. Um, This means more to some people than just any other game. This means more to some people than actually making it to state. What do you feel they're fighting for in this matchup against Florence? So this is going to be our game of the week. I mean, for Coolidge, it's time to show people that you are what you guys think you are. A very good team, a team that is light on players but can still go out there and play with the best of them. Now you have the opportunity to go and play an undefeated Florence team whom a lot of people are not giving credit to just because of who they've played up to this point. But go out there and be able to show them who the real kings of the rivalry is. Because I believe uh, Coolidge holds the all-time record, if I'm not mistaken. I think it's time for Coolidge to finally put all the me to the side and and play as a team. That's one thing I have not seen from Coolidge up to this point. It's a lot of pointing fingers when things are going wrong. It's a lot of, oh, look at me when things are going right. But I don't see them executing as a team quite yet. That's what the issue is that they're going to run across the opposition. Florence not only bought into what their coach had brought to the table, a new coach at that, but they also bought bought into each other and trust each other. And I think next to Combs, they're probably one of the closest knit teams I've seen in uh, Pinal County so far. And I just think that Coolidge needs to answer the bell with that. They need to become a better team together, and you're going to start seeing things uh, work out in their favor. But how do you uh, expect this game to turn out on Friday night? I mean, I know originally uh, we both had uh, Coolidge uh, taking home this victory, but is it going to be the depth and the chemistry of Florence who has the advantage, or is it going to be the athleticism and the playmaking ability of Coolidge to uh, have that advantage? In the beginning of the season, I had Coolidge going undefeated. If you asked me that same question just you know today, how, you know if you know how do I feel about Coolidge? I, they're not like I said, they're not the same team. Do I think that this is going to be a close game? Yes, I feel like this is going to be a close game based off of how close the game was with Santa Cruz when Coolidge played them. This will definitely be a close game. But if Coolidge gets down on themselves early. If they allow Florence to score first and don't answer back quickly, this game will get out of hand really, really fast. And I know that they're going to be listening to this. The game is going to be happening tomorrow. Don't lose your focus. One thing I, I've noticed too, and, and and sometimes I feel a little guilty myself, like you know, talking about these boys and giving and and hyping them up and kind of you know blowing a little bit of smoke you know up up the rear ends. And, and I'm really not trying to. 
uh, in, in a negative way i want you know i want to you know give them some enthusiasm but at the same time i feel like it's not doing them any well for me to say that you know these kids are good in the end they kind of just like oh yeah well people well, people already say we're good i don't need to show them that they're good because one thing that they're not doing is they're not showing me how good they are they're they're just kind of relying off of the word oh i'm good i'm here but it's one thing to just be present and then there's another thing to perform all those all those kids that we've seen from 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 the photo shoot to now they're present now it's time for them to perform you know i i definitely agree with uh what you just stated i think that it's time for them not only to perform but to do it as a team, mm-hmm. you know, go out there and trust in each other. Trust that your teammate is going to make the play or uh, take care of his responsibility each and every play. And I think once they figure that out, it may be good things for Coolidge. But uh, let me go on to the Florence side. I think that's a team who has a lot riding on this as well to show that, hey, we're not a fluke. The teams we beat, that's the teams we were dealt. Uh, but they've shown up each and every week. One of the deepest teams we have uh, in Pinal County. And I think that it's going to hurt me to say this, but I think that they hold the advantage on both sides of the ball. You know, I think that they have enough pieces on the defensive side to possibly shut down uh, Coolidge's run game. I haven't seen uh, Coolidge's pass game be consistent enough to sit there and say, okay, yeah, they're dangerous in this uh, area of the field. But at the same time, can Coolidge be able to shut down a Josh Jackson for four quarters? That's where I'm, I'm a little iffy. So I don't know what Coolidge can do, you know, besides trust in each other in order to come out with the victory. Because I guarantee you that Florence is going to come in and they already trust each other. They already hold each other accountable. And you see that. So it's definitely going to be tough. But in all honesty, I'm going to give the advantage to uh, the Florence Gophers this week. I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to give the advantage to Florence as well. It, it it does suck to say that, you know, this might not be the the rivalry game that we envisioned in the beginning of the season. But one thing is for sure is that the, these these guys are not going to go out there soft. They're not going to oh, go no, out no. there and, and, and play it like it's just any other regular game because this means the most. Mm-hmm. And I, I hope that this game gets the media coverage it deserves as far as, you know, major news, you know, from the state being there. Um, it's about time that, that this area gets the spotlight and I'm really looking forward to the game. And, and if the, and if the Gophers win, you know, good on them. They, they, it wasn't an easy win mm-hmm. because I know, like, like, like I said before, Coolidge is not going to roll over. No, they're not. And, and, and if Coolidge beats them, this shows a lot about who they are. Mm-hmm. But if Florence beats Coolidge, I hope that this isn't the end of the road for the Bears because things can go downhill fast if they let it. Well, and to top it off on that, uh, this should be uh, the last game uh, for uh, Gianni to be sitting out. Maybe his presence and his leadership coming in to uh, take on Parker uh, next week will change something. some of that. You know, I know it's uh, hard to be a great leader on the sideline because I know you want to execute that on the field. It may change the atmosphere uh, there in Coolidge, but we'll see uh, come Friday night. I'm expecting a war. I'm expecting a big fight, you know, uh, of course, within within the rules. You know, I don't mm-hmm. mean that figuratively, uh, but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm just hoping uh, it's a very good game. And uh, as you stated, I mean, Friday Night Fever uh, might be there. We have to see the results of, uh, of course, the voting. But I'm expecting two teams to come out here and lay it all on the line and it's going to be one of the best games that we probably attend. Uh, it just got to not rain, bro. We just got to oh, hope that the it. weather goes on our side. Because last week, it threw off everything from photo shoots to, to going to the game to even eating. We didn't even eat like we normally do for mm-hmm. the, you know for our pregame ritual. But I feel like you know tomorrow will be a, a different day. It'll be a better day. And I'm looking forward to seeing what this week brings in Pinal County football. Well, let's move into uh, everybody's uh, favorite segment, uh, which is going to be our week four uh, players of the week. Um, let's start off uh, with our special teams player of the week. And uh, it's something new for us. Uh, I believe uh, this is the first special teams player uh, to win this. That's not a kick returner or a punt returner. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're going to uh, actually give the special teams player of the week to Nick Avalo Lara, who went eight for eight on his point after touchdowns and uh, was perfect in the field goal kicking game for Apache Junction. So a big congratulations uh, to Nick for being our first kicker to win the special teams player of the week. 
What do you have uh, for the Offensive Player of the Week? Now, for the Offensive Player of the Week, we're going to stick around in the city of Apache Junction, and we are going to look right at QB1. Gavin Limongello, you are our Varsity Breakdown Offensive Player of the Week. Again, you went 13 for 23, had 247 yards and four touchdowns. That is a stat line, and you did a great job running it in, too. It, it, it wasn't an easy night for Mr. Limongello. He put over 100 yards rushing himself, so way to go, Gavin. It, it was a really good game for you guys. So let's move on into the defense of uh, Player of the Week. Uh, for the first time uh, this year, it's not going to stick in Santan Foothills. Uh, we're going to be going up the road to uh, Post and Butte and give it to Mr. Tarad Kisto as he recorded eight tackles, five solo tackles, one crucial interception, and three pass deflections. So he had himself a day in the secondary. Congratulations, Tarad, and congratulations to all of our uh, breakout players this week. Other than that, brother, I think that we can kind of hang it right there. Uh, is there anything that I forgot to mention uh, that we needed to close on? Um, let's talk about uh, our last bit of apparel. We're sitting down maybe on our last 15 tees. Um, if you're listening to this now, uh, I would put in that order immediately because I don't see these tees lasting much longer. And I know that we were initially thinking about keeping the design and, you know, just moving uh, – moving some certain things so that it shows that, you know, it comes from a different time or, you know, we, we have uh, distinctive markers of when these shirts were made. But one thing I was thinking about, bro, is possibly letting our fans decide what our next shirt design is. So maybe sometime next week after we release, or maybe even before we release our top 10, we put a couple of designs out there and let our fans decide what t-shirt they would like to buy. I, I believe that's a great idea. Just get them uh, to vote and see which uh, one is uh, most popular. Yeah, it'll save us some time from going back and forth with this one, this one, this <laughs> one, this one. We can actually get the people's point of view and have them choose themselves. I think that would be a great idea. No, we'll definitely uh, sit there and plan it. Um, uh, we still have uh, the raffles uh, going on this month uh, till the end of September. Uh, that's the ASU versus Washington game, as well as uh, U of A taking on the Oregon Ducks. Both games uh, will be October 8th. So get out there uh, if you haven't entered that raffle and uh, get your tickets. I, I know uh, we got a lot of uh, traction with that uh, so far. And other than that, um, I think one of the last things I want to say, and, you know, I hope all these coaches are listening, stats, stats, stats. Put your stats in, please, <laughs> because we want to definitely uh, acknowledge uh, as many players as we can from each team. So please help us out with that and uh, enter your stats. Players, if you're listening, you can send us your stats as well. I mean, we we just need numbers. That's all we need, uh, something to visually see and uh, be able to uh, highlight uh, each player from each team. So other than that, uh, this has been a great episode, brother. I'm looking forward to everything going on this week. And uh, any last words? Take it easy.